Are you ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's episode is called Just. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hey, Sandy. Hi, Jenny. Hi, everyone. And this is episode 62. (laughs) I didn't say that earlier. Before we get started, I want to read a little bit of a snippet of an article that inspired today's podcast for you, because I feel like it's more articulate than I can be right now. So this is a quote. I am all about respectful communication, yet I began to notice that just wasn't about being polite. It was a subtle message of subordination of deference. Sometimes it was self-effacing, sometimes even duplicitous. As I started really listening, I realized that striking it from a phrase almost always clarified and strengthened the message. So you can probably guess what this is about. Today's episode is a little bit about the way we speak and how it undermines our leadership and authority. It's a little bit about our experiences with internalized sexism. And it's a lot about our own observations with how we have publicly been speaking in this podcast, as well as in our writing and communications in our business. And we just want to call attention to it, to talk about it, sort of take it out of the shadows. We're well aware that we do it. We don't want to do it. And I think a lot of us have the same problem. Yeah. And I just want to say that that quote was from Ellen Petrie Lenz, who is a former exec at Google and Apple, um, who noticed this in her uh, people that she worked with. And it was more prevalent in women, of course. I find this fascinating. I don't think there is a woman alive that doesn't do this. And in Canada, we're always being teased about how we say sorry all the time. Mm -hmm. If I was American, I'd say sorry, but I say sorry. Sorry. And (laughs) it's the same thing that there's this language that we kind of excuse ourselves, you know, like we don't want to be rude. We don't want to interrupt. We don't want to be too forceful. We don't want to be judged. We don't want anyone to think bad of us. So we have all these qualifiers around our speech and it's so fascinating when it's pointed out. Yes, I agree. And I I feel like whenever I hear a woman that doesn't do that, my ears perk up. Mm -hmm. You notice. Because I'm I'm astonished. Yeah. And I want to speak like that person. You know, part of this is we listen to our own podcast. We, mm-hmm. you know, we make sure that the edits are correct before we put it live. And we also listen to it just from time to time in the car. I think both of our children like to listen to it or have fun listening to it. Yours might. Mine doesn't. Yours doesn't. Well, mine <laughs> no. does. Maybe yours just likes to make fun of it. But, you know, when you listen to yourself, you start, and I mean, we're 62 episodes in, you start to like notice uh, your own voice and the way you express yourself in the world. And to me, I'm very bothered by the way that I sound, you know, when I'm constantly undercutting myself. And I know I did this um, in the university setting and teaching and in academia. And as a student, I did this constantly as a way to protect myself. And so, it, it was really easy, I feel like, uh, in that system for me to get, to, for people to be criticized for 
pretending like they knew more than they knew or thinking that their idea was better than someone else's. And so it's just this subtle tool that I learned mostly from the women around me <laughs> that it, it sort of protects you and buffers you. And I say sort of, like that's the other thing I say all the time rather than making a declarative statement. Because you don't want to commit to it. I almost always buffer it with sort of because in my mind, the scientist too in there is always thinking, well, there's always exceptions. Someone is going to listen to this and they're going to be able to tease out the exception to what I'm saying. So if I say it as a fact or as a statement or as a declaration, mm -hmm. it's really easy to poke holes. When you say sort of, you have this leeway and this buffer and protection around this what you've just said. Sure. You can always back out of it and not commit. And I always say, I just think or I just feel. Like, I don't know how many times I've heard myself say that in the podcast. And it's like, well, if you think that or if you feel that, then just state it. Just say it. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, if that is what you think, then just state that. There's no need to put all these, you know, parentheses around it and, you know, hope that qualifiers, yeah, nobody will, uh, you know, question you or judge you or call you out on it. In this uh, article that we, we found, she also states that it's it makes you sound like a child, right? Yeah. When you say that, you are putting that person that you're speaking to in a position of more authority or control than you, than what you are. And that makes me mad. I don't want to live like that, right? And But when it's stated like that, it makes me rethink everything. Yeah, no, totally. And you know what I've started noticing? I, I didn't say this to you before we recorded, Sandy, is that I've started noticing that I do this even with my own five-year-old child, with my daughter. So I qualify what I say with her. First of all, that's ridiculous because I'm her parent. <laughs> and second of all, I know I'm teaching her to do it at the same right. time. And so, you know, part of this is... We want to talk about this on this episode because I posted something about this a while back in our Facebook group and, you know, some it resonated with some of our community members as well. And I know it resonates with a lot of my friends. Um, Tara Sophia Moore talks about this in her book, Playing Big, about the language that we use that decreases our power and authority. And we so we sort of know this is a problem. And there I go, sort of. We know this is a problem. <laughs> We're going to just start interrupting the podcast to call ourselves out when we do it. We know this is a problem. And yet... We don't talk about it very often. We don't sort of take it out, sort of, we don't take it out of the shadows. And it's a really hard thing to fix. I think about it as any other verbal tick that I have. I grew up in Northern California. And for anyone who like thinks about dialogue or rhetoric, you know that there's this culture of girls that, that I mean, where we're like came from. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's something that I spent a lot of time in my early 20s trying to rid out of my vocabulary to some degree. It's still there, but it's a lot less. I mean, I used to be like, and then she like, and he like, and we like went there and it was like, I mean, that's how I spoke. That was what was normal for girls where I grew up. And so I feel like this is just, you know, another version of that. But but this one is extremely demeaning because every single email I send, I feel like the word just is in it. Just checking in. I just wanted to check in with you. I just wanted to send you this note to let you know that blankety mm -hmm. blank blank. I mean, how many of you do this as well? I, I don't know where this comes from other than it's deeply internalized. And I have, I think, defended it to some degree as some part of humility because mm -hmm. I strongly believe in humility and I think a lot of people don't have enough of it. But I think for me, Sandy, you and I both take this way too far. And this podcast is about us saying, we know we do this. We know that we shouldn't do this. And this is a, sort of like a public declaration for us to say, we really want to stop. Yeah. And we hope that you do too. A moratorium on those yeah. words. And now we'll forever get emails saying, 
with people saying, I heard you say that. <laughs> but that would be good, actually, that it's that people are thinking about it and listening for it. I think it's interesting to think about where we learn this. Like, I don't think it happens, you know, later in life. It's right from when we're children. So it's interesting for all the moms out there to think about the language they use around their, their young daughters versus me, for example, who has a boy, I wonder, I don't know what I say to him. I don't, I don't know if those words come up. But it's not just sorry. And it's not just just. It's words like actually. Like, I actually, yeah. I actually disagree with you. Or I actually have a question. Or I actually just wanted to know. You know, there's actually and just in the same. Mm-hmm. Or different qualifiers. Like, I don't know very much about this, but I'm wondering if... Again, it feels like you're able to back out if someone were to challenge you. Another one that's mentioned in this article, Jenny, that we were talking about before we hit record, mm-hmm. was does that make sense or am I making sense or do you understand? In the author's explanation of this, she's asking, uh, you know, we do this with good intentions. We want to make sure the other person is un- understanding uh, what we're saying. But when we say it that way, it comes across as either condescending, like mm-hmm you know, whoever you're speaking to can't, can't understand, or, or you, you feel like you've been incoherent. And so this one really hit me because I deal with most of the help questions and, and the, the team at inbox. And I'm always saying, does that make sense? Because I need to know that it makes sense because they're, they're asking a question and I'm giving them a technical answer back. Like you have to click here and you have to do this and do that. Does this make sense? And I need confirmation from them, but in no way do I mean to be condescending to them. Exactly. And I did the same thing when I was teaching with my students. Constantly, I was saying that exact same phrase, does this make sense? Does this make sense to you? And I think by saying that, we're undermining our ability to give direction, our leadership. This makes me so uncomfortable to even talk about this on the podcast or in general, right? Like, I mean, we both wanted to do this episode. I had like a very angry moment yesterday listening to our podcast because we do listen to other podcasts and I feel like, uh, first of all, it bothers me when other women do this. But then when I do hear, I I listen to, to, to podcasts that are hosted by men and I don't hear this and it makes me angry that we do this to ourselves and um, that we're so conditioned to speak like this. And I have, you know, we're grown-ass women. We're professionals. (laughs) We're successful. Why do we speak like this? The way that I remember Tara Sophia Moore talking about this in Plain Big and that I read others, you know, write about this has to do with the fact that when women come across as strong and powerful Mm -hmm. and clear, that it's considered to be aggressive. So we develop these ways of speaking so that we're not seen as aggressive, that we're seen as more likable. And yet, maybe Sheryl Sandberg writes about this too. I apologize. Yeah, I know. they I, Those two blur together for me. I feel like I've read this all over the place, but I can't cite it perfectly right now. We develop these ways of speaking to buffer that. We don't want to be seen as bitchy or aggressive. And so we have to develop these these tools and language so that we become more likable. And yet at the same time, what we're doing is shooting ourselves in the foot because we are removing our own power. We're shifting our identity away from being leaders. We're undermining the actual thing and confusing the actual thing we're trying to communicate, right? So it's it's terrible. It's actually terrible. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And I think the first step is just to become aware of it. And for all of us, 
to call each other out and not allow that language anymore. I do hear it in our clients. Sometimes, you know, when we've done some strategy calls with people, they always take that kind of backseat or that playing small role where their work, you know, isn't as important as somebody else's or it's just the sort of the secondary income of their household. And, you know, it's infuriating and frustrating when you see it on somebody else. I just want to I just want to pump them up and hold them up and, and, and point that out and make them feel super proud of what they're doing. But I, I'm just as guilty as any of them. Yeah, but it's easier to see in someone yeah. else. I mean, I see it in you. I see it in myself and I get mildly angry and, you know, feel bad feelings toward myself about it and feel ashamed that I speak like that. But Sandy, when I hear it in you, I get angry like, at the whole world because I'm like, how dare Sandy speak like that? How dare she feel like she has to speak like that? And yesterday we mm-hmm. were talking about a new offering that we're going to be launching this year. And you're like, well, maybe we should just tell folks that we're thinking of trying something and we're going to try to test it and maybe they might want to try. And I was like, what are you saying? Like how, how on earth? And, and I know I would say the same thing. And that's what is so frustrating, right? Because like, why on earth would you speak like that? It's because in your mind, you're, you're conditioned to, to be afraid of your own power and your own authority and your own leadership and your own vision. And this is, we're stopping this. We do have a new offering coming and it is awesome. It is totally amazing. It is awesome. And we're going to talk about it like it's awesome. And there's going to be no qualifiers around it, right? Exactly. Just wait till you see the sales page. We're working Don't, on it. Not just wait. No. No. Well. Wait. Wait until you see the sales page. It is freaking amazing. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. I just, um, well, just, I want to say too, when we did our podcast on feminism, we talked a little bit about the way girls are socialized differently than boys and how it, girls, especially when they get to a certain age, they stop raising their hand. In class, they stop uh, wanting to participate as much in science and math and other STEM-related things. And I think that this stems from that STEM, like pun, play on words. Yeah. This stems from the Got same it. thing where as a young woman, you learn that you need to sit back and be quiet and wait for a safe place and a safe time to say what you have to say. And as an entrepreneur, the problem, right, is that that never comes or you're never invited to speak. Mm -hmm. And so you have to just go out and start speaking. Hey, I have this thing. I built this thing. I made this thing. Are you interested? Do you want to look at it? Do you want to try it on? Do you want to buy it? And because of that, there, there takes this amount of courage and bravery to go out in the ethers out of nowhere without someone giving you permission to go out and start sharing what you've made. Because that's so outside of our comfort zone as women that we start to be like, well, hey, I kind of made this thing. You might like it. You can try it. You don't have to look at it. <laughs> and so we start to add in all this filler and this garbage and these qualifiers as entrepreneurs, uh, I think, because of that. And so it's terribly dangerous and we all need to put an end to it. And the men that we know that do this, that have entrepreneurial efforts and endeavors, don't act like this. I think it comes down to like we have been taught as women to put ourselves second, that we are always in a supporting role. We are nurturing and taking care of everyone else first 
And that, you know, is typically or historically around food and household and childcare and those kind of duties. And we're here to say enough. If it is our entrepreneur uh, endeavors or our new business or a new idea, we need to say it loud and clear with no qualifiers and be proud and know that some people are going to love it and some aren't. And that's just that's just how it is. Men don't have to go through that thinking, I don't think. No, it's it's really quite astounding. I mean, we see this we see this with our clients, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and we're we're generalizing here, but it's also based on a data set <laughs> of our client base that we work with and and folks that we we give advice to and coaching and mentorship to. And um quite often, you know, our men our male clients are really quick to act, like brazenly quick to act and start selling and start earning revenue and iterating and learning and failing fast and all of that. Many of our our most beloved female clients are very careful. And I I think I, I do not want to knock the care because that is a big part of what we stand for here is care and attention to detail and craftsmanship. However, I think there's a fine line between, you know, building something with thought and integrity and intention versus kind of holding yourself back and, and staying small. I don't know that we've said it on the podcast before, but I think it's worth, if we have, it's worth repeating that we have seen over and over again that the men that join Namastream are teaching software that they, by, they'll join one day and by the next day, they have a product for sale. Whether it's they amazing. sell it or not, they get it done. They are not afraid to put themselves out there and they just get dive in, figure it out, and here's my offering. Where women will join and then, you know, weeks, months, sometimes a year later, will finally have that product for sale because mm-hmm. and it, it's just astounding the difference between the men and women. Like it's just yeah. remarkable. And again, this is a generalization. This is not always true. However, we do have a, a pretty large data set to work with. <laughs> and we do like when people sign up, we're like, who are they? What's their site? You know, we try to check in on folks. And so we have a pretty good idea of how fast it takes someone to get to market with a product. Um, and, you know, we don't know everyone, right? Like we don't have a personal relationship. We don't mentor all of our clients, but we do kind of keep tabs on folks the best that we can. So, you know, and it's not that the women aren't doing work, like they're uploading videos all day, every day. I see the videos getting uploaded into our database, but they're just not selling them. And so it's 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 quite interesting because the selling part, I think, is the the sort of inhabiting your leadership role part. And that's what women are are typically afraid and socialized to do. We are here to try to hold space for everyone to be able to stand in their own leadership, right? And to be and able be to stand. be bold and be brave yeah. and just say it, say it out yeah. loud. Yeah, and I wanna, I, I sort of hinted at permission earlier and I wanna talk a little bit more about that, Sandy. We both love Tiffany Dufu. We've talked about her book, Drop the Ball. I think it was like on my favorite things episode mm-hmm. from last year. Your favorite book, yeah. My favorite book of the year. And it's and it remains so she's sort of like my hero. Like I want to be her when I grow up, even though we're probably the same age. Um, so she does a she has a YouTube channel, a little vlog, and I, I watch her videos whenever I can. And I watched one recently where she was talking about going on her book tour and how the most common comment that she receives from folks in the audience or at the book signings has to do with the fact that they say thank you for giving me permission to drop the ball and when for those of you who don't know about the book drop the ball has to do with offloading tasks to your spouse or partner or significant other or other people in your life so that you can prioritize what's important to you so your career and your children anyway it's a great book everyone should read it however like she her response to these these readers of hers is you didn't you don't need my permission to do that 
you you give yourself your own permission slip. My book and and myself, me as your as this author, I I don't give you that permission to create the life you want and to choose to share the the workload with your husband. That's not my job. And I I think I mean she says it in a really kind, polite, loving way. What I really it really resonated with me is that you hold your own permission slip, right? And we've all like I feel like that's like a social media <laughs> Like I've seen that in Pinterest as a quote, right? But if you really think deeply about what it means, I think you'll start to see where in your own life are you waiting for someone to give you a permission slip or grant you permission to do something. It's a scary question if you really sit down and think about it. Yeah, it is scary. I I mean, I know we get people in our client base who do that too. Like, can you just look at this thing before I like put it for sale? Tell me if it's good enough. And I mean, we're happy to give feedback, right? But I think you don't need my permission to decide to sell something on the internet. Like you don't. Like you don't need Sandy to tell you it's okay. I think you have whatever you need inside to decide whether it's ready. And um, so if that's you, I hope that you're, you know, willing and able to look inside of yourself and grant yourself the permission to go ahead and become an entrepreneur or a business owner or the founder of, of something or a parent or whatever it is you're waiting for somebody to give you permission to do really realize that you hold that key yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. That's a, This is a pretty big rant, Sandy. Yeah. No, but I love it. I would love to hear what people think about this too, or if they've even been aware of those things that, that sort of pop up in their speech. Okay, Jenny, let's move into joy and hustle. Do you want to do the joy? Okay. So for the joy this week, I would like to recommend the Google Chrome extension plugin or Gmail plugin called Just Not Sorry. And once you install this as a browser extension in Chrome and you're logged in and using Gmail within a Chrome browser, what this plugin does is it warns you when you're using qualifying words in your emails. So just or some of the other words that we've talked about in this episode that Mostly women tend to use as qualifiers or words that make us sound like children or less than who we are. Those are the kinds of words that this will automatically point out in your emails. When I installed this, I'll just say that almost every sentence in my emails had these little red underlines because of this. And I actually got so frustrated that I uninstalled it. But today's episode makes me want to go ahead and try again because I think it's helpful just to notice when we're using qualifiers. So I'd encourage you to go try this plugin. Again, it's called Just Not Sorry and it's a free Chrome extension. And the hustle is the article that we referenced by Ellen Petrie Lenz, I hope I'm saying that right, called Just Say No and it appeared in Thrive Global. And there was another article that we found too in Jezebel.com, which references her article, but there's some extra content in there, which I loved, which was called uh, Google Exec Women Stop Saying Just So Much You Sound Like Children. And that's written by Tracy Moore in Jezebel. So we will give you the links to both those articles if you want to read a little more about it. Yeah. And if just or actually or sorry have been holding you back, feel free to share a story with us in our Facebook group. You can find us at soulful.mba slash Facebook. Fabulous. All right. We will see you on Wednesday for an Office Hours episode. Have a good week. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. 
If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba slash sample.